The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowds, they took Jesus with them in a boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filled up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. been interesting to get to learn to drive uh, here in Japan. It's the first time that I've had to drive on the left side of the road. And initially, I thought I would never get used to it. And now I've, I've, to a certain degree, gotten used to it, so used to it that when I see an American movie, which maybe you've, you've experienced this as well, you see an American movie and you're like, they're driving on the wrong side. And then you realize, oh, wait, no, they're driving the right. You're just all messed up now, um, kind of. But it's been somewhat of a journey kind of learning how to drive. And unfortunately, sometimes what happens is, is there's been so much new information when you start driving on the left side of the road, as well as different signs and, and, and kind of just a different setup in terms of the way that the intersections work. And so there have been a few times where it's been a green light and I've actually pulled up to the light and, and stopped because I, <laughs> taking in so much other stuff that I just saw a light, you know, and, and couldn't even process whether it was green or not. And I'm like, oh, wait, oh, it's green. Okay, I can go. Uh, but it's also happened where I, I know of at least one or two situations where I was halfway through an intersection. I was like, oh, that's a red light. Oh, uh, whoops. Thankfully, you know, smaller intersections or different things where thankfully I haven't had any, inter, uh, any accidents or been pulled over by the cops yet. Um, but uh, that happens, right? Sometimes, the, you know, drivers aren't perfect, even if you are a, a good driver in the midst of it all. And that kind of takes me to one experience as a passenger, right? When you're a driver, you're in control, you're controlling it. And there might be certain times when you're a little bit uncomfortable kind of being overwhelmed. But as a passenger, it's a very different experience, right? And, and one of the worst things that you can do as a passenger is be a backseat driver, Right? Um, telling the driver what they should do, what they've forgotten, how they should drive, right? That's a terrible experience to have a backseat driver. However, there are those situations that happen on occasion where you're driving with somebody and you wonder whether they've seen what you see, right? We realize that we're humans as drivers. And so I, I'm, it's happened to me many times where you're in the passenger seat and you see a red light or you see somebody turning or you see something happening and you don't know whether the driver has seen it themselves, right? You haven't seen, you haven't felt the vehicle slow down. And so you're like, okay, I'm trusting this driver, but do they see it? And, and, and finally, at a certain point, you know, 
uh, not trying to be a backseat driver, but, but trying to also be safe. You're like, oh, it's a red light. Oh, it's a, you know, and then the person sometimes is like, yeah, I saw that. And sometimes are, oh, thank you, right? Because maybe they didn't see it themselves. Now, some drivers, uh, you have different experiences, right? If it's a new driver, you're probably going to be a little bit quicker to be the backseat driver or to help them uh, or to point out things, right? If they're new, if they're taking a lot of information. However, if they're an experienced driver, uh, there are certain experienced drivers where you really don't have to worry. My dad is, is one of those. He's driven probably millions of miles, and he's never had an accident. I would trust him. Even if I saw a red light, I probably wouldn't say anything because I trust him, right? Um, We have a similar experience, right? So kind of taking that personal experience and kind of that feeling that we have when maybe we're wondering whether that person sees, we have a similar experience with our life and God. God is in the driver's seat. And sometimes we see certain things that we wonder whether God sees it. Like, whoa, God, uh, do you see that red light? Do you see that storm happening? Do you see this COVID-19, you know, happening? God, do you see this? Because if you do, I'm not noticing you, you know, stopping the vehicle, or I'm not noticing that you're changing. I'm not noticing that you see it. I don't see any change. And that's what kind of happens to the disciples today. They're on a boat And a storm comes up and Jesus, instead of helping them take care of the boat or anything else, he just continues to sleep. He's in the stern of the boat. Now, it's really hard to imagine that this boat is rocking and turning and there's water coming over the side and not just a little bit, but it actually says that the boat was filling up with water. That means that a huge amount of water was already taken on by the boat. And these were experienced fishermen. So they had been in storms before, and even they were afraid. So we know that it was, it was really bad. And Jesus was just asleep on the boat. Now again, there's different experiences. Sometimes it's because the driver has seen it, and they just haven't slowed down yet. Or because they haven't seen it, and they needed to know about it. What is Jesus's interaction in this? Well, when the disciples wake him up and kind of backseat drive, he does what they want. He calms the storms, but yet he also tells them, and this is where we see, and he says, why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? And what that tells us is that Jesus knew what was going on. He was asleep in the boat, but he wasn't ignorant of the situation, right? He knew what was going on, but he was also waiting. I don't know why, but he was. Because he knows and sees much more than we do. He sees how everything affects. And he was waiting for whatever reason. And we are 
not in control in that situation. Now, beautifully, within him calming the seas, it actually shows forth and it connects. I just want to make this small connection. It actually connects with the psalm today, which often we hear and isn't necessarily preached about. But if you look again at the psalms and read the words, it's actually talking about God calming the seas. And so it's beautiful that God calms the seas. He's the only one who's able to do that. And Jesus calms the seas, right? It should be pointing us and reminding us and actually revealing who Jesus is, is that Jesus is not just a prophet, but is the second person of the Trinity and God himself, okay? So we have that experience. Now we also have, which I think connects very clearly as well, in the way in which God responds to backseat drivers is uh, he responds in the book of Job. Now, I hope you all know the story of Job. And the uh, story of Job is often given as kind of a, a beautiful book which kind of explains the problem of suffering. Because Job is a man who is righteous before God's eyes and is beautifully and wonderfully blessed with, with a large family, a successful family, a successful uh, cattle farm. He's got lots of animals, lots of servants, and by all accounts is a good and just man. And we hear in the beginning of the story, God kind of, uh, you know, taking pride in that. Yeah, Job is a good man. And here's a very important, interesting kind of situation that happens is that Satan comes before God and he says, yeah, he's a godly man, but that's only because you've blessed him so much. If you took away those blessings, he would be just as bad as all these other people. And God says, well, I'll, uh, I'll let you try, but I think Job's going to make it. I think Job is going to be a good man in the midst of it all. Now, what this tells us is it's an interesting thing. It's not, uh, but it does show us, I think, kind of as a side, important for us to acknowledge and continue to acknowledge, is that the battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, is not an even, not an even fight, okay? God is God. Satan is a creation, And again, why does God allow Satan to continue to exist? There are certain explanations and certain reasons, but at the end of it, we we don't know. It's because God does, and God allows Satan certain authority over certain things. And in the story of Job, he allows Satan to have a certain authority over Job's goods and his family. And so Job actually loses all of his children, all of his flocks, all of his servants. So he's left with essentially nothing. And he still doesn't curse God. He says, he, he makes the prayer, you know, God giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? That who am I to judge, right? Who am I to say what God does and what he doesn't do? But then Satan goes before God again and he says, well, yeah, I took away his stuff, but if you took away his life or made him hurt, then he would curse you. And so God gives him the authority and Job breaks out in sores and boils and hurts from head to toe. He's in pain. And at this point, there's only so much that you can say to Job, right? To try to explain it away or why it's happening. And what's really wonderful is his friends come to him right away. And they come and they just sit with Job. 
And I think that's probably one of the best answers that we can have for people who are struggling with difficulty and problems in their life. Sometimes we want to explain it or give certain answers, but sometimes we just need to sit with them to let them know that they're not alone. And I would encourage you, we can all sit with someone. And that's an important thing to be able to do. We don't need to have the answers, but we do need to have the time. We do need to have the love and care to be able to sit with them. Now, his friends start to go wrong because they start to try to give answers to why it's happening. Job, you must have done something wrong. No, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you must have done something wrong. And he tries to give certain answers or responses of why Job is hurting. And they influence him to such a degree that Job finally does the same thing. He asks, why, Lord? God, why would you do this? I did everything right. Why would bad things happen to a good person? And finally, to get to what we have today, this is a small part of his response. And how does God respond? Well, I would have loved it if he would have given a theological explanation. I would have loved it if he would have given the explanation for the problem of evil in the world, of why he allowed this test to take place. But is instead, God, as he often does, and Jesus does as well in his earthly ministry, is he responds with questions with more questions. And the way in which God responds to Job is he says, Oh, Job, I didn't realize that. Wait, who was there? When I created the worlds, who shut up the heavens? Who controls the seas? Basically, reminding Job as he asks these questions that he is God, right? And who has a right to question God, what God does? Well, no one, right? We are not God's, uh, we are not God's, We are God's creation. We are not his masters, not his master, right? So when God uh, tells us to do something, when he creates something, we can ask a lot of the question, why? And I do find that he does reveal certain answers to us. I find that there are good, logical, reasonable answers to a lot of what happens to us in the world. However, at the end of the day, Kind of like a father would say, right? Why do I have to do this? Why does this happen? Because I said so, right? At the end of the day, that's what God kind of says. At the end of the day, it's because God is God. Because he said so. Because he chose to do it. And even though that he might be able to explain it, we probably won't fully understand, right? That's part of the reason why parents sometimes use that line, right? Because they know that their kid's not going to understand, so just do it because I said so. It's not the best answer, but it should be enough. And that's God's response or his answer to Job. It should be our response as well. And so there are many things that God does And we need to respond not as backseat drivers, not as people who look and see that red light and say, God, do you see that? Because there's a problem and we're going to run into some problems. God is in charge. God sees the red light. He knows what's happening. However, he is not looking at the next day or the next year or even the next hundred years. What God is concerned about ultimately 
is not our earthly success, but is our eternal salvation. And that's one of the things that I just think, I just don't think that we can fully grasp in everything that happens. Nor can we completely understand because we're like little children trying to understand what our parents do. We can't understand it. And God can only explain so much of what he does. But what hopefully we have is we have a certain amount of faith to be able to trust him, to not be a backseat driver, but instead to have that faith and to say, okay, God, I don't understand, but you are God, and I am not just a creation, but as baptized Christians, we can say that we are children. We are new creations in Christ, and we are his children who he cares about deeply. And so when he tells us to do something, he's not telling us out of something, to do something out of wishing ill for us, but wishing good for us. And so I'd like to conclude in one way, practical way in which we apply that is specifically here at this Mass. God does not ask us to come and pray at Mass because he just wants to take our time. He comes and tells us to come to Mass and to pray in this way, do this in remembrance of me because this is the way in which we are formed in his image. A lot of the time we can approach prayer or approach God and say, well, uh, you know, I don't really connect that much with this or that or, or I pray better in this way or that way. And those are important things to know. But at the end of the day, even though that subjectively, individually, we might not experience the Mass as one of the most exciting ways to pray. It is, we have to acknowledge objectively, the way in which God has given us to pray. It is the most perfect prayer. And so when he says, do this in remembrance of me, when he gives us the church and guides us by the Holy Spirit, we do not say, God, this isn't working for me. I need you to change. Instead, we say, God, I trust you, and I need to change, right? Because ultimately, we acknowledge that we are not masters of God. We are not masters of the universe. We were not there when the universe was created. We did not create the universe, but God did. And so let us always remember in our faith that we are creatures. We are children of God, but God is God. And God doesn't need to give an answer for what he does um, because he is God.